podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Well, a brilliant day at the SCG. Two days in a row, we've seen two magic centuries. Johnny Bairstow lighting up the SCG this afternoon. Welcome back to Cricket Daily. I'm Manners. If you're watching on the YouTube, hello. If you're listening on the podcast app, hello too. And uh, Paul Dannett, welcome. How are you? Good. Um, really good day's cricket. And uh, the first couple of days, I was starting to think, you know what? Why do I love this sport so much? And then today was just uh, superb. It was end-to-end action and I um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I feel as though the, the pitch almost cheated a little bit because the action was so good because the pitch had such variable bounce, which I don't think is how it should be. I don't think that um, international sports people should have to put themselves in such danger, but uh, it's certainly made for a good day's viewing. Yeah, on that variable bounce, I had an interaction with Ed Cowan on Twitter, former Australian opener. And, um, look, he's on the New South Wales board, so there is some bias there, but he doesn't think the pitch is that bad. But I'm with you. I think that variable, variable bounce, when it's going up, is dangerous. I haven't seen this interaction yet. Was it was it amicable? Yeah, yeah, Eddie and I are great friends. He came into Piccolo Podcasts and recorded an interview last year for another show. So, yeah, we, we've caught up. He's a lovely guy. So just for those catching up on the score, England started the day batting and they finished at 7 for 258. Um, the day started with some of the most stunning cricket. It was raining for the first couple of hours, so they didn't get, into, get on till 12.10. So two hours and 10-minute delay from the scheduled start. But then England crashed to four for 36 in an extraordinary sequence of events. Uh, Scott Boland had two for none again. The, the guy just keeps um, wowing the crowd. And there was a period, you know, before lunch and just after lunch where England went 70 balls without scoring a run. Uh, so much to talk about today. We've got a long wrap-up show. Let's start with that first session. Uh, very first thing that happened was a chance went down off a mead. I think Carey dropped it, and we've, we we foreshadowed that coming into this match. What did you make of it? It's funny how um, up till then, everyone's just been saying, oh, hasn't Carey um, settled into test cricket like a duck to water? But really, there's that catch. There's the two that he missed, as we talked about, where he let them go through to um, between himself and David Warner. Well, this time at least he went for it. Um, he hasn't scored that many runs either. He's, he's probably, um, I'm starting to think that maybe Cameron Green should be the keeper. He's got a nice long wingspan. Um, he would have taken that much more easily. We can't bowl if he's the keeper, mate. So yeah, I prefer Josh he, Inglis. No, he takes off the pads when he bowls and gives it to someone else, Steve Smith or someone. Yeah, Matt Wade used to do that. Um, yeah. Well, look, look, an absurd idea, but thanks for bringing it up. Well, I know. I think Kerry was a bit unlucky there because the ball seemed to swing late. I guess the only thing I'm happy about is I'd rather he go for it, goes yeah. for it. Like those two with Warner, he missed. He didn't go for it. But uh, you're right, Except it hasn't been flawless. Actually, he probably shouldn't have gone for this one because it would have hit Warner on the chest. So. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I think it sort of swung late as well and went a bit wider. Yeah. Anyway, so um, Stark was a, a bit annoyed about that, and then he, he knocked over Hamid with an absolute jaffa, but not a great shot from Hamid. No, Hamid, I mean, um, he just doesn't look like he's going to succeed, does he? Um, I mean, I know Hamid rhymes with succeed, but mm-hmm. that was a pretty ordinary shot. Have you ever seen a weaker arm of a modern-day international test player as well? Like he's, he, he throws like he's a he's never played cricket before. I haven't noticed that, um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a shocker. And then um, next goes Zach Crawley, bowl Boland, and Joe Root goes for a duck off seven balls. And at this point, England are in trouble. Boland's got two for none. So when he had two for none, in his last 51 balls in test cricket at that stage, he had nine for 15. That's a, I don't know, you wouldn't have seen a run like that very often. Yeah, absolutely incredible. For a guy that I said not with harsh criticism, but I didn't think they should have picked him. Um, I suppose nine for 15 off 51 balls is a pretty strong answer to that, isn't it? Mm. Well, just you'll be not surprised that Chappelle at the it's Cricket Etc. live show said Scott Boland's a shield bowler. Yeah. You could so, argue with anyway. the batting average of 41 that Ian Chappell's not that much higher than a shield batter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was it 42? You, no, it might have been you 42. should te- text that into ABC tomorrow when Chappelle's in and see what happens. I've got some <laughs> Chappelle-isms. Um, so when Hamid went, it was none for 20, one, none for 22, then they crashed to four for 36. Milan was out to green just before lunch, caught around the corner after he'd been hit. Um, and at that stage, honestly, Paul, I was thinking England are fucked. Like I was like, they're going to be rolled for 60 or 70 and – uh, it could be over today. Like the whole test could be over today. I backed them at that stage. Um, yeah, a small bet on them at one hundred and thirty to one, just for a bit of fun. Quick them had them at zero percent on uh, they I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, so ben, uh, ben Stokes made sixty six off ninety one with a side strain. Before um, that, sorry, just want to uh, yeah, just go, a couple of things it. on that. Um, I was disappointed with a uh, little bit of byplay. Uh, with, with Mitchell Stark and not, not directed at Crawley, but that ball that he bowled that one of the first of many of the day that reared up off a length, struck Crawley painfully on the gloves and Crawley sort of the bat dropped out of his hands. Firstly, Stark shied at the stumps, which is, I suppose, in the, in the heat of the moment, it's a competitive sport. But, it, um, you know, if he'd been, if, it wasn't the nicest of looks, I didn't think, for a bloke that's clearly sort of feeling a bit of an injury. And then saying to, to Lyon... Um, Oh, what did he say to you last night? And then, oh, yeah, thought so. And it was the old Australia, like the um, the unpleasant sort of sneering Australia that it's not a major incident at all. Um, I'm not, I don't want to be saying that I'm overly critical of Stark, but it's the first under the, the, the Cummins regime, regime, the first time that I've seen those old ways creeping back in. There is absolutely no need for it. Now, I don't mind if there's a heated confrontation and a little bit of something in the, in the spur of the moment, which this to a degree was, but it was also, you've just hit the bloke on the hand. Um, I understand you're frustrated because you've had uh, a catch dropped and a, a wicket taken off a no ball. It's the sort of thing that Cummins should pull him aside and say, mate, we don't need to do this. Um, mm. Crawley smashed him for a six, a few balls later, um, or four, a few balls later, which Michael Vaughan said was the shot of the summer so far for England. It, it's proven to be counterproductive. It makes us look boorish. It's a minor, minor thing, but as I said, it's the first little instance of, of that I've seen under the um, under the captaincy of Pat Cummins. 
Yeah, I wonder what was said yesterday. I'd love to know. Um, they showed it. It looked like he was just having a minor little chat with um, with Lyon. So mm. I don't know. Maybe um, he said, "Hope we break your fingers or something." Um, so <laughs> that that was the that was the spell where there were seventy dots around that four for thirty six. And I can tell you at this point, um, yeah, it was mayhem uh, for the English press pack. They were all looking very disconsolate because. The, the problem with being an England uh, reporter on these tours is how many times can you write the same story about how shit your team is? So at this point, they were all looking very forlorn. Uh, but that 70 balls isn't the record for the longest dot ball sequence in test cricket. They, the last long, I think, longest dot ball is 154 dots. That was Australia v Sri Lanka in 2016 where Neville and O'Keefe tried to save the test match. I had money on Sri Lanka in that one uh, at $8 or something. Um, so it was a very nervy that Australia looked like they were going to um, hold out for a draw, but they didn't. So I was, um, I was unpatriotically cheering on Sri Lanka. Mm. Um, so there was this moment where the game was really in the balance. The conditions were murky, but then Stokes hits a return catch to Cummins. He drops it. Then Stokes, the first extraordinary thing to happen today, or one of the many, Stokes gets knocked over by Green, but the bail doesn't fall off so they had all these chances but they what did you think of that green um ball well i think and i would say this regardless of whether it was an australian or an english uh, bowler who's going to be getting the wicket that's out it should be out um two things one clearly the stumps are in too hard or the the, the grooves are too strong but secondly the bales were brought in presumably 200 years ago because back in those days you weren't always sure if the stumps had been hit these days we always know so what they should do is keep the bales. They're nice and you don't want to ch- change the height of the stumps. Just rewrite the laws and say you're out if the ball hits the stumps regardless of whether the bales are dislodged. And in an instance where they're not sure, they can go up and check it on real-time Stinko uh, or Ultra Edge and within a second or so they'll know whether the ball hit the bales or not. And people who are saying, oh, this is this shows those of you who say if it's out, if it's shown to be clipping on Hawkeye that you can't give it because maybe the bales <laughs> wouldn't fall off. I was waiting for someone to write that, and I knew it was going to happen. And it was like, oh, gosh, you know, change the law and so that it's no longer a problem. And wouldn't that be a, a better a, a better result than an unsatisfying moment when a batter who deserves to be out gets to stay? Agree. And that was so weird today because the ball went off the stumps like it was a bat, like it you know, deviated. Paul Rifle even gave um, Stokes out because he thought it was hit the pad or something. So... Um, yeah, so a lot of luck, but then Stokes and Bairstow counterattacked and, um, you know, Bairstow copped a nasty. Did you see him get hit on the thumb? It was oh. a really nasty one. It looked like he'd have to go off. It was one of those ones where you were watching it almost cringing and thinking this could be horrible and you're just feeling hopeful that he's not going to collapse in agony. Um, so the fact that he kept on going, he's a tough little guy. And Stokes, of course, as you started to say before I interrupted you, was the exacerbating that um, – uh, the side strain and a couple of he, he hit Mitchell Stark for three consecutive boundaries. And this leads to my, um, to my start of the day. And that is go that for it between them. If you add their two innings together, um, Stark, sorry, St- Stokes and Bairstow went at a collective strike rate of 73. Um, so we have been saying ad infinitum on these shows that England are batting too slowly. Now, I know it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to a degree that if you score runs, your strike rate's most likely going to be higher because you're batting well. But they both were forced to play aggressively, Stokes because of his side injury, and I think Bairstow, after his thumb was was injured, was starting to think it's the right way to play as well. 
it shows it's the right way to play. It's not always going to work, but there's more future in that than what Stokes has been doing in every match up until now. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And it was actually a really good counterattack to watch oh, because wonderful. wonderful. You know, when he, when he oh, I mean, because, I was almost England, cheering him on, it was that good. Yeah, exactly. And England were four for seventy at one stage, and by then they would they'd all, that's when they I think three drop chances, bowled off a no ball yesterday, a bail that didn't go off. So you're thinking these guys are shot, and then you just see some great stuff from Stokes. Um, so he made sixty six before being LBW to Lyon. Then Joss Butler comes in, and I don't know what he's doing at the moment, but he just poked one to cover off Cummins. He was out for a duck off eight balls, and you think it's a pretty easy fix now, moving Bairstow down to seven and maybe taking the gloves. Maybe. I mean, um, it was a soft dismissal, but I think he was just he just got slightly early on it. It was a slight leading edge. He was sort of playing a little bit onside-ish as well. Was a soft dismissal. These things happen early on. They, they often show that score, that stat of um, Bearstow averaging ten more with the gloves than without. And I, I think that's a nonsense stat. That, that you might as well say that he's uh, averages ten more when he wears yellow underpants or not. It's, I, I think that's correlation does not make, make causation. Uh, they're going to say, yeah. "Oh, when he's got the gloves, he feels as though he's got a second. Would you would you say that you know, stat doesn't tell the whole story? Now, don't try and be clever. Um, you should never try and be clever, Minners. um all right well let's go to um my um good day bad day because uh good day mark wood because this is when he comes in he replaces um butler and australia decides to bowl short to him and he hooks cummins for three sixes um into the front of the clive churchill stand he makes 39 off 41 it took the pressure off bearstow who could just saunter to his hundred and uh, it was a lovely little innings from Wood. Yes, and it's disappointing. I don't want to be too critical, but the first time that the, the Australians are under real pressure, Cummins does what every other captain has done, pushes the field back, f- pushes the field back. It was a, a strange sight seeing the world's number one bowler bowling round the wicket to um, a tail ender with the field scattered to all parts and bowling bounces and getting hit for six. Admittedly, he ultimately did get him out with the short ball, but this is, you know, instance number 461 where doing that doesn't work. And so I don't understand why they did that. It was a, um, I'm still, I'll always, I think, be a big fan of Pat Cummins as a captain, but today the Stark incident and this were a little bit disappointing for me. Yeah, Justin Langer was asked at the end of play whether it was the first day Cummins had been tested as as a skipper and how does he think he responded. And and Langer was very diplomatic but said, you know, he'll have learnt some stuff and uh, no doubt that's it. I think they went short a bit too early for Wood. I would have liked to have seen a more conventional tactics for longer. And as he's kind of let him off the hook because then he was just like, well, I'm just going to smash it. And he got away with it and it was a a brilliant little inning. So that was my good day, Mark Wood. Um, No writing. Mark Wood. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed with the way he copped the decision that uh, a lot of players, clearly he hadn't felt, so he went to hook one, crashed him into the head, and then it's ballooned out to, um, uh, was it point? Um, and he got caught. And was it point? Anyway. Um, point or gully, I can't remember. Yeah, might have been gully. And the Aussies appealed, the challenged the decision, and there was a small little mark on um, the RTS, so it clearly showed it had just got a little edge before it had hit him on the head. Most mm. players would have gestured angrily saying, no, I didn't hit it. He just said, oh, I hit it. It looked a bit bemused. 
but walked off without any sign of anything. Um, and I just thought that was impressive. He's probably like slightly concussed after being smacked Maybe. in the head. So. <laughs> Maybe Chappelle <laughs> just, like, would have said, off in a days. Chappelle might have said, that's why it shows you shouldn't have helmets, because if he didn't have a helmet, that would have just dropped at his feet. I mean, he, yeah. he, might, have, he might have followed shortly after. But. <laughs> I do have some Chappelleisms coming up, but um, let's get into uh, my bad day. So my bad day. Well, I've got two. I don't know what was going on with the English batters today, but the SCG has these massive sight screens and they're complaining because people are sitting in their seats. The, the sight screens are massive. And if you've been to, say, Lords, for example, at one end at Lords, the sight screen is like a postage stamp. So I don't understand why somebody going to get a beer like next to the sight screen should put them off that much because the sight screen's massive. How could it be in their line of sight? I think it's what once you make the decision to get annoyed by it once, you almost it, it would become a bugbear of you. Um, and I think that yes, they kind of need to let it go. These people have paid probably they're sitting in good seats. They want about one hundred and ninety dollars for their seats. And well, that was the top tier, one hundred ninety dollars. So I reckon yeah. one hundred sixty easy. Yeah. Well, I think some of them were in the top. Like some of them, yeah. were, I thought, was above the site screen, like the best. Yeah, seats the, in the members. House. Yeah. No, not the members. The um, in the Churchill. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's not members. So yeah, um, so that so that was bad day English batters. I just think, and also sorry to jump in again. Yeah, that you mentioned the small sight screens in England in the olden days, as in I remember in the early sort of nineteen eighty. Sometimes they didn't even have sight screens at all. You're just looking completely out of the crowd. Hmm. Um, I've seen some interesting ones at grey grounds. I've got to say, um, <laughs> like this drape black drapes and stuff. Um, <laughs> all right, and then. The other bad day is the Australian spectators that were kicked out from the members' stand. Now, the official line is they were asked to leave and they agreed to leave. And I actually went down and saw them being escorted out by the police. So they may have been asked to leave, but they were still walked out by the police. So you interpret that however you want. Um, so as Stokes and Bairstow came off, so, you know, straight England lose four wickets in the first session. They don't lose a wicket between lunch and tea. Really good stuff for them. Then a couple of Aussies yell out, and I should get the quotes. They said, uh, Ray's put them here. Someone told Stokes, you're fat, grumpy, you're a fat, grumpy man. And then someone yelled at Bearstow, take your jumper off, Bearstow, lose some weight and get fitter. And then those two, they were kicked out for, well, Bearstow turned around and said, hey, Paolo, you're not so tough now, are you? Because the guy must have walked away. Um, what do you make of that? There's been some people saying, you know, that's not like, that abusive uh, where do you sit on this one uh, for firstly I, I you know no one should be saying that why would you say that like you mean just don't say it um do they deserve to get kicked out for it um look um if you if you did that then every single player every single fan member of the the english fans in edgbaston in 2019 probably would have been kicked out for the, the way that they were talking to Warner and Smith and everything else. So I, I don't know. It's, it's hard without having seen it, but it, doesn't, it sounds like it was just dumb nastiness. And, yeah, I mean, I think in 2022, that's probably you're going to you're probably going to expect to get kicked out, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, so a, a few things jump out at me. Firstly, Bearstone Stokes harden up. I mean, you just got to ignore that shit. It's not like they I, – I thought someone had said something pretty low, and when I heard it was just – um, saying the weight, I think that is you shouldn't be saying that. And you know, with mental health such a you know a prevalent issue, you shouldn't be body shaming and all that stuff. But still, if you're Bear Stone Stokes, you should just ignore it. 
you just be the bigger man and you go into the dressing room and you think about the game. That doesn't change. I don't think people should be yelling that out. Uh, But it it is an interesting sort of, I don't know, signpost because, I mean, that's so tame compared to half the shit I've heard at the SCG. I mean, I can tell you when, as the last ball of the day was being bowled, a massive punch-up started in front of me in quite a posh area of the stand, like a full punch-up. So I don't know. Yelling at someone's fat is not the right thing to do, but it, yeah. it, it seems strange. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I thought maybe it was they were having a go at Stokes about the the Bristol nightclub incident. Um, yeah, the interesting if someone if someone did have a go at him about that and and said something like, "You shouldn't be allowed to be playing" or something because you punched that guy, and he had then reacted. If they kicked them out for that, I'd be very annoyed about that because he got suspended by the ECB and got heavily fined for that. Um, and that is a direct comparison to what people were saying to, um, you know, Smith and, and Warner, who also got suspended and fined um, and for doing something far, far less. So, yeah, I mean, just be a grown-up and don't say those sorts of things to athletes who are, you know, competing for your pleasure. Yeah, I just think it's sort of almost – it's just a it's, it's a sign of a real shift now in the way we treat athletes and have yeah. regard for their mental health because um, I think that's what it comes down to. Um, so that was my bad day. Um, what else happened? Well, you know, Bairstow go, goes to his century off the last ball of the day. Uh, sorry, the, in the last over of the day, slashes one down to third man for four. He's 103 not out. Jack Leach is four not out. Uh, Stokes and Bairstow, 138 run partnership was probably the highlight of the day. Yep, it was. It was wonderful. I was really pleased for Bairstow. I've always – admired him and thought he was a better player than his test record would indicate. And I suppose the other thing we haven't really touched on is the pitch that I think that um, it was, it made for very entertaining cricket, but how many times did players get wrapped on the the fingers? I, I think that's too many. And I think that if you're facing up to a really, really fast bowler and thinking, I'm not sure whether this one's going to shoot through or shoot up, that's, that's not good enough. And the, the thing is, if, if the pitch didn't have that uneven bounce to it, then the cricket would have been probably a little bit on the dull side as it has been. So I don't like it when a pitch is a little bit too slow and then the spectacle is salvaged by uneven bounce because I think that's sort of like a cop-out almost. Not that the not, not trying to animate the pitch and give it human qualities, but, um, you know, I, I'm a bit disappointed by it. And I, I wouldn't want to be batting on it. Mm. And I think actually we'd we'll probably hear a bit more about the pitch if England had more fast bowlers. So when England bat, they've got Green, Cummins and Stark all bowling above 140. England have got Wood who bowls that quick, but that's it. So, you know, maybe Australia would have made a few uh, murmurs about the pitch if, if you know, Archer and um, Stone or whatever had been bowling at them. So um, Yeah, but don't forget as well that the, I think the pitch was worse today and it's going to get worse. And mm. Even though Wood is the only one that's out and out express, uh, I mean, and and I mean, Ben Stokes is not going to bowl again. You wouldn't have thought, but he broke or almost broke Warner's ribs in the first in the first Test match. Facing someone like Stuart Broad on a pitch where the the bounce is up and down is not anything that I would enjoy. Um, you know, it, uh, look, you know, let's just say that Stokes is uh, sorry that the Bairstow now is out for for months and. You know, he, he'd be entitled to say, why should I have to be playing on a surface I like agree. That? Yeah, I mean, I said it yesterday. The pitch is underprepared. I mean, I'm, I'm, I wholeheartedly support you, Paul, on this one. You oh, know yeah, me. I, I, want, yeah. I want this guy sacked. I want this fucking groundsman <laughs> sacked. 
Um, all right, I don't actually. I mean, I would never want anyone to lose their job, but I, I hope so. I hope he gets better for next summer. You know, I hope that the last three years or five years or ten years, however long he's there of experimenting, because you know, like Les Burdett was curator at the Adelaide Oval for like thirty or forty years. Like, if you go back, his first few years probably weren't that great. So, um, anyway, Chapelli Watch, South Australia. Um, so two things happen today. First, he's in commentary, and at this point, I think. Maybe some of the close-in fielders were saying a bit to the, the batter. Not much, Obviously. but just a little. And Ciappelli goes, um, oh, mate, I'd have, just, I'd have just said to the mate, if you keep doing that, I'm going to play a hook shot, you know, straight into your face or something. Um, he uses his line because I've heard him say this about 100 times, and he always says, I, I just wouldn't face up. I wouldn't face up. And then I'd smack someone over the head, and then I'd say to the umpire, now you've got a problem. Now you've got to deal with it. <laughs> Exactly. So he said something like that. And then the second thing was, and this was in the spell of um, dot balls, Andrew Moore said, and I can't remember the play, so he said, X used to bowl a lot of balls here, a lot of dot balls here for New South Wales. And Ciappelli said, him, the batters must have been facing the wrong way. (laughs) And that segues neatly into Ciappelli's acolyte. There's a a line you can draw from Bill O'Reilly to Ian Chappell, mm. to Shane Warne, in the whole, like, they've influenced each other. And they're not always wrong. Like, often they're very entertaining, but sometimes they are a little bit crazy. Like, Bill O'Reilly thought the coach was nonsense. So does Ian Chappell. So does Shane Warne. But that was the um, Shane Warne having the sled <laughs> with Chad Sayers today on, on Twitter, where Chad <laughs> Sayers um, <laughs> was having a go at, um, was having a go at Warney for having had a go at a couple of the Aussies. And Warney arced up. And his big point was, mate, I bowled spin with the keeper up. You bowled fast in it or pace in inverted commas with also the keeper up. And the thing about that is <laughs> it absolutely emphasized to me a very key thing. You know how Chad Sayers played that solitary test match um, a few years ago? Yeah, 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 in South Africa. And Shane Warne was in commentary and said, Oh, was it, was it in South Africa? Was it, was it in South Africa? Was it? Anyway. Yeah, um, it was after there was the ball test after the ball tampering. My memory's gone. Shane Warne in commentary said, I would have expected that um, Chad Sayers bowled a bit faster than this. And it it was clear he had never seen him bowl. And it's also clear from that, that's his main sledge, that he never saw him bowl subsequent to that either. That his entire knowledge of Chad Sayers' career took, you know, what, 400 wickets or whatever else, was one test match. And I just think, you know, I suppose he's a very good bowler, great bowler, maybe he doesn't need to, but um, I, a lot of commentators would do a bit more research than that and um, mm. wouldn't feel that they could have the gumption of just turning up and <laughs> presumably that's the only time you ever saw it. Yeah, and getting paid, I think, 25K per day at Fox <laughs> Cricket, something like that. Um, you could do a bit of research for that. Uh, so, yeah, the Test Match England... Um, what are they? They're a little bit, you know, they're a bit quite, still quite a bit behind. Uh, they trail by 100, 158. So what are you expecting to happen? Rain forecast for Saturday, rain forecast for Sunday. Um, you know, you, you've been partial to having a bit of a bet every now and then. Um, so give me your prediction for the rest of the game. Viewers that are putting questions, we'll get to them in a sec. bit of world cricket news and local cricket news I want to touch on as well. What do you think is going to happen in the test? Firstly, I don't understand how everyone has been saying rain, 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 rain the entire time. That to, We haven't actually had that much rain. And each day the forecast is, to my eye, half decent. And everyone's saying it's going to rain tomorrow and rain the next day. 
it doesn't look to me like it's going to rain that much. It, who knows? It may it may rain a lot, but I, I think there's every chance that we'll get plenty of cricket in the next two days. I was on Crick Info this morning seeing what the and, and all these people saying, oh, it's going to rain the day off, it's going to rain the day off, it's going to rain the day off. And I said, I actually wrote my only ever comment to Crick Info. And I said, it's just stopped raining where I live, which is 20 kilometres from the ground. And the ball by ball, the minute by minute apps say it's going to stop raining in the next five minutes. And then the bloke at the ground suddenly wrote, no, nah, they didn't respond to me directly, but the drizzle looks like it's set in. And then two minutes later, oh, I stand corrected. The covers are coming mm-hmm. off. I was like, yeah, thanks, champion. Um, <laughs> so we may not get as much rain as everyone thinks. What do I think is going to happen? Oh, I suppose I think that England... <sighs> Can you see England chasing, getting a little target to chase on the last day of, say, 200? Could, no, could they sort of whittle away at this and then knock Australia over and give themselves could, a sniff? I think, I think what's more likely is that um, they need to come out tomorrow and play aggressively. And I, I, I wonder whether they will or not. I think Australia should be able to knock them over without too much damage. And if they can do that and if the rain doesn't come, then Australia, if they bat aggressively, and I think they will because I think they'll realise this is the sort of pitch now where you are very much you know, the right thing to do is about aggressively. Australia should then actually have be able to set a, a declaration early on day five or even late on day four. And I, I think Australia should still win from here. But uh, as I said, I had a small amount on England, 130 to one. So if England win, I'm not going to complain. Mm. Yeah, I think Australia should still get the chocolates as well. Um, and you're right, it's not so much the weather. Well, the weather's one thing. It's got to stop raining. But one thing that's impressive is the SCG can be ready to go pretty quickly. And we saw that in the Women's World Cup um, semi final two years ago now, where Australia looked like they weren't going to get on. So that's a good segue. So I want to hit some cricket news before we get into questions. Do you have a, a few minutes, Paul? Yep. So firstly, the Women's Ashes is coming up, and it's been moved forward a week. Uh, and they're they're actually um, they're not coming to Sydney now because there's a situation where basically both the English and the Australian squads go from Australia then to the Women's Fifty Over World Cup in New Zealand, and basically they all fly together, they all quarantine together, and if anyone gets COVID in the seven days before they leave, the World Cup's over for them. So if Meg Lanning were to get COVID. Three days before, they can't go afterwards. New Zealand government won't let them in. So they've, they've taken the women's ashes now, like away from Sydney and some hot spots, even though they're in Melbourne, which is not great. But they're trying to sort of keep them protected so they can all get to the World Cup. So, yeah, that's being played. I'm really looking forward to that. I think we'll see a competitive series. And uh, I actually really like the multi-format point system. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it as well. Is it going to be... Um in full on seven mate or what's the story in terms of coverage i think it'll all be on seven mate three t20s three odis and one test match yep no, i'm definitely looking forward to it i thought that the series against india um was was superb um and was probably the most international women's cricket i've ever watched um, hopefully i'll beat that in this time I guess the thing is, though, we've seen in the, the men's big bash that, you know, once COVID gets into a team, it's spread. So, you know, the, the nightmare scenario for Australia is that COVID gets in there in that week leading up to their flight to New Zealand. So 
Um, yeah, there was some talk that their conditions are going to be quite a bit tighter than the men's have played just because of the impending World Cup. So that's the first bit of news. And, and two bits of news. In the last two days, there have been two wonderful test victories that we haven't mentioned. Bangladesh beating the Test World Champions on their home soil. And then last night, South Africa upsetting India with a, a gutsy chase in the fourth innings. Dean Elgar making 96 not out. I think just two two great days of Test cricket results. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Bangladesh were so disappointing in the World Cup, and you got a sense of that they're. I don't know that they were on a they're on a downward cycle. Um, the only thing that was impressive was still that when they played Australia in in Bangladesh and they thrashed us on their sort of you know tailor made wickets, their fielding was very impressive, and that was the one thing I thought that that alone is a good sign, but. Um, it's 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 Mickey Arthur coach, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. So uh, he's a very good coach, um, and so fantastic that, that, that they could get up and get a. a, a was it Hussein uh, who took? Was it Hussein who took six for uh, thirty in the 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 third innings to bowl New Zealand out and give them Bangladesh a tiny chase? Um, yeah, really, yeah, really. Name, um, oh, I've forgotten his name off the top of my head. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. And then um, in, in India, South Africa, I saw all these Indians tweeting the night before when Thakur was batting, oh, that's it, we've got enough now to bowl South Africa out. And South, Af- South Africa didn't do it easy, but that was a very good knock by Dean Elgar. He anchored the innings, and I think they were, I'll get the score, but they, they only lost three or four wickets chasing down a fourth yeah, innings target. Great. Yeah, so yeah, well, good stuff. I followed that game. I never, I didn't watch much of it, although I've watched the mini highlights and um, it looked like a, um, a pretty decent pitch that on day one, the Indians were playing like Indians of old where they were really sort of struck the extra bounce. Uh, Dwan Olifier, Dwan Olifier is back playing. He went and did the... Um, um, Colpac, but it was Colpac. Colpac, but it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. But he's come back now. So he has an excellent record. It's a, Pity that he hasn't played for, for South Africa uh, more so than that. And um, they had also uh, Keegan Peterson looked pretty good as well. I'd never heard of him before, but he got um, a 60 in the first innings and got a few runs in the second innings as well. Um, so he looked pretty good. But yeah, Elgar um, anchoring the innings. And I, I was fo- following it on on Crick Info, just expecting them to collapse. And so when it didn't, it was a, a, ple- a pleasant surprise. So for, for everyone saying, and I'm not averse to saying this myself, that outside Australia, England and um, India, Test cricket's really struggling. Well, we've got New Zealand and South Africa and Bangladesh. That's, um, that's, that's healthy signs for the world game. Definitely. Marco Janssen, another good one for South Africa mm. in that game, took four wickets in the first innings after being recalled. Um, all right, another stat for you happened last night. You're never going to believe this. So Gurinder Sandhu, the comeback man, is now playing for his, I think, fifth team in Australia. He took for the Thunder last night. He took a hat trick. He's now the only ever Australian bowler to take three domestic hat tricks in domestic competitions. He's taken two before, obviously. Um, some other four other Australians have three or more first class hat tricks, but most of them were taken in tour matches, um, say playing for Australia on tour. So, uh, these are you know, three hat-tricks in proper competitive matches. If you'd said to me, Gurinder Sandu would, Sandu would have that, you'd have, I'd have eaten my hat. I mean, it's like Chappelle with a batsman facing the wrong way or something. <laughs> or 
What was that bloke's name? Um, is it Matthews, the Aussie that took two hat tricks in the same day in a test match in 1912? I don't know it off the top of my head. I'm not too uh, au fait with 1912 test cricket. It was Australia versus South Africa in a, a neutral test match in what was the triangular trophy. I've forgotten the guy's name. I think it was Matthews. Um, but he took, yeah, he took a, he took a hat trick in the first innings. South Africa followed on, I think, and then he took a hat trick in the second innings as well. Um, so yeah, but but um, Sandu seems like he's um, found something. Like he looked like he was on the way out, but um, maybe he's not. No, I, and I think Kawaja's had a lot to do with that. Brought him up to Queensland, and he's at the Thunder where Kawaja is. So yeah, um, so that's a record. Sandu got overnight. The Big Bash is still going on. Matthew Wade is taking an indefinite break from the Big Bash. There was no reason given for that other than it's being personal. So we'll monitor that one. But let's get into the questions. Um, so I got a question via Instagram, and I'll read this to you, Paul. Um, hey, Cricket Unfiltered, I'd love to hear from Menas in your next live podcast about his thoughts on Stuart Broad not turning around and effing appealing to the umpire properly. Show some respect. Yeah. Um, so that was a message. Uh, do you, what do you think? And then I'll give my answer while I find out who sent it. I tend to agree. It's not something, it's not one of my, you know, I've got 763 things that annoy me. It's towards the end of those 763, I would say. Um, probably when, when it annoys me is when he gets it wrong. If he doesn't turn around and it's plum, that's one thing. But when he doesn't turn around and then does turn around all aggrieved, it's like, you know, what's going on? And the replays vindicate the umpire, then that even disappoints me more. So, yeah, I, I agree. But turn around and appeal. That's the right way to do it. Yeah, I don't like it at all. Uh, Rashid Khan's been doing it the big in the big bash as well. He runs down not looking for to the umpire. I think it's disrespectful, and I think you know umpires actually remember that stuff. And you know, it's a bit different now with DRS. It probably doesn't matter if the umpire doesn't give you the line balls, but still, I think if you're a bowler, you'd be better served not to do that. Respect them. Uh, it looks bad, and yeah, I, I don't like it. Um, I think Broad, you know, he can be a pork chopper. So, uh, but he's not the only one doing it. Plenty of um, other bowlers do it. Ben Stokes did the inverse of that today. He walked when he was given out of <laughs> Nathan Lyon and was absolutely plum. Um, but yeah, he is off without even looking at the umpire. Just before we get on, um, you're right. It's um, it, it is um, Hussain. So it's um, Eberdot Hussain, and it was Jimmy Matthews who took the two hat tricks on the one afternoon. All right. Do you want to read this one out to me? From Brewer74, how many more will the Poms make? Will Boland bowl again in the match? So um, Langer was asked about Boland after play. He said that he, he can bowl now. He fell, So he fell over on the last ball before the, the lunch break, fell pretty nastily. Uh, Langer said his sort of elbow went into his rib and it kind of bruised it, but there's no damage or cartilage damage. So it's probably a bit sore, but he'll be fine to bowl in the second innings. Uh, how many more will the Poms make? Oh, I don't know. It could be fun tomorrow morning. They could actually make another 50 or 60 if they swing the willow. Oh, I mean, even more. I mean, uh, uh, it's it's a dangerous situation that if they if they bat with some freedom, uh, Leach can handle it. Broad, if they start bowling short, can spot a few boundaries. So Australia need to be very disciplined. Hit, just do that old boring thing of um, uh, hit the top of off stump and don't be tempted to put everyone back, especially if Bairstow starts swinging. Don't give him easy singles. If we see T20 best, though, we could be in trouble. All right. Uh, um, Michael, come on, Paul. It's a bit of banter. We don't want to be best mates with these blokes. Yeah, and I agree that plenty of people think that way. 
And as I said, it's not something that annoys me heaps, but I just thought it was the first time I'd seen. For me, if it's a um, head-to-head spat in the spur of the moment, that's a bit of banter. But when it's he's chatting to someone else, it sort of just it seems disrespectful. And I can see tens of millions of fans around the world going, oh, typical Aussies. They're all nice, but the minute that the things get a little bit... Oh, actually, that stage was still on top, but... Um, they, they soon revert to type. And I just think that we should be better than that. Um, but I agree with Michael that half the viewers probably agree with him. Yeah. Um, all righty, next one. Um, Ray, PMB9, your opinion on the Mark Wood wicket? Um, he was out. Yeah, he was out. I mean, he edged it. It was You could see clear as day a spike. Um, and sometimes the spike doesn't match up with the exact moment that the ball passes the bat, but... I did a Twitter video about that a while ago. Um, look it up if you want, and it's it's perfectly fine. All right, Ray PMB nine. Why should we allow fans near a site a, a site screen? Not sure they are allowed in the subcontinent. Oh, well, there's a lot more. Um, I mean, the simple fact is they're, they're like a whole bay. Well, they're they're along. They're not that close to the site screen. The the, um, the site screen is meant to be. You know, if the players need bigger side screens, then maybe they should make them bigger. But uh, I think that the ground's entitled to sell tickets around the side screen. Um, and sadly, these days for test matches in the subcontinent, there's, there's so much room the fans can sit anywhere. Condi Rice, hey, Paul is drunk. What do you say to these allegations? Condi Rice is back, the troublemaker. <laughs> She's been a troublemaker before on this. <laughs> Actually, I'm completely sober. This is um, same coffee in here. Good. All righty. Well, look, I think that's it. A lot of great comments there. Love it when people get into the comments. Um, uh, apparently, Russell Domingo is coaching Bangladesh. Well, okay. Sorry. Oh, why did I think it was um, Mickey Arthur? Uh, Maybe I just yeah. assume that he coaches – That he's. I always assume he's the simultaneous coach of Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, South Africa, and um... – <laughs> A few other teams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that's, yeah, I've had a shocker there. Apologies. Well, I said yes, so I didn't correct you. I didn't know. Um, all righty. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, that have listened to um, Cricket Daily. Um, some great news. Some, so the day started. This is where we just can get self-indulgent because if you're listening that far, you really like the show. Woke up this morning, get an email, bang. Cricket Daily and Cricket Unfiltered have made the final for the first ever sports podcast awards. These are coming out of the UK, so they've let – uh, and a couple of Australian cricket podcasts in there, so that's good. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Congratulations to um, you know Paul and Jaleesa and all the people on Cricket Daily. Uh, yeah, shortlisted, and we'll be needing all the listeners to vote. So we'll be putting links in podcasts and YouTube descriptions, and we'll be annoying you quite a bit to vote for the show in the coming weeks. Yeah, please do. Maybe minutes we need to be strategic. We don't want to cannibalise our own. Um, we, maybe we need to direct the viewers all one way or the other. But um, I agree. I was um, thinking about that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking we should direct them to Cricket Unfiltered because Cricket Daily like comes under the Cricket Unfiltered banner. Um, yeah. So maybe, yeah, yeah, but but honestly, like, um, just you know, personally, you spend a lot of time podcasting. You know, we're we're in our houses at the moment alone, and you don't often get recognised. So it was nice to make a short list. Um, you know, and, and get at least, you know, a little bit of recognition for um, the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't forget we've got the recognition with the um, Cricket Daily when the, winning the bronze medal at the Australian one as well. Yeah, I know, but, you know, I'm pretty insecure, so you can never get too much validation. <laughs> <laughs> 
All righty. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, day four coming tomorrow, Paul. Um, catch you tomorrow. See ya. Bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.